Yeah, All right. Well, welcome everybody. It's episode 22 of Hot Take from the Kitchen. Um, Steve's making noise. He's got to get his water, so I guess we'll let him do that. And while we wait, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And you can also email us at hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It's H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. And we have another email again this week. It's from Anonymous. And Anonymous asks, if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um... One food for the rest of my life. Anonymous might have told me that. It doesn't have to be like, for example, <clears throat> it could be BLTs. It doesn't have to be just bacon, lettuce, or tomato. Or the bread. So if you wanted like it to be BLTs, you could. Well, I'd have to go for mom's kliski. It's my favorite food. <laughs> that is pretty good. That's a solid choice. You got a favorite food, Greg? I'd probably go Tacos? Tacos. Yeah, that's pretty okay. legit. I would probably do pizza, I'll be honest. <clears throat> Just pepperoni pizza with extra sauce. I'm happy. It's a good one. All right. I guess we'll just go into the hot takes, or do you want to do the new segment? Well, we should probably introduce who we have in, right. in the studio with us. Our cause... guest is Greg, owner <clears throat> of Hungry Hippie, right down the street from here. So. And also, we're trying something new. We are. We're going to use a live stream the first couple of segments, and then right before the interview section, we cut it off. <clears throat> so to learn more about Greg, you'll have to um, listen. listen to the pod. So we're trying something new because we're doing a new segment here in a little bit that we're going to try, try a couple different things today, see how it works. The downside, of course, is we can't see who's all commenting or liking or laughing at us. So, um, But we can. I can check my phone. Oh, yeah, that's right. You could do that. So um, maybe that's something you could do. But uh, normal intro stuff, I think that's about it, right? Yeah. The mailbag for that. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if it's a pretty short segment. So if you want to just intro, we want to roll right to hot takes, we can. We can do it. Just get back here. All right. First hot take is the Greek bailout ended after 10 years. So it's kind of impressive. Well, it's sad kind of, that it's taken 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So when I first started going back to school, um, the Greek bailout was like them starting their bailout was a big thing. So like, it's kind of humorous to me that it's, that, you know, as it's, I started school and now that I've kind of finished school that it's all come full circle now. So um, I don't know how much informed you guys are about that whole thing. And, I really was expecting. I just thought it was it was something more of my own, just something that I at the beginning, like I said, when I started going back to school, it was something that was talked a lot about in my economics class. With uh, yeah, it's quite the mess they were in. So it's nice that they're out. Anyway, second hot take is Ryan Shazier walked out of the tunnel. So to everybody, if anybody doesn't know, Ryan Shazier was a linebacker for the. Pittsburgh Steelers and he was hurt in a game last year and he was paralyzed for a while but now he's starting to walk again yeah. and he walked out on the practice field a couple weeks ago so that was nice to see I think he's from Michigan Detroit yeah. or something so. super 
uplifting or yeah. inspirational because he, I mean, his goal is to get back on the field. I don't know if that's honestly going to happen, but at, but at this point, it's hard to doubt him because I mean, he's pushed through. I don't, I think he's definitely, you know, proved a lot of people wrong. So he believes he can as well. Yeah. That's all yeah. I just do it. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> all right. And the third hot take is fans at a Dutch soccer game throw through stuffed animals. And this story is actually kind of cute. But there was kids from the Rotterdam Children's Hospital at a soccer game. They were, oh, never mind, Dutch word I can't pronounce. So. But anyway, fans from the top bowl are throwing stuffed animals down to the kids in the lower bowl. And we love a feel-good story. Yes. We always try to sneak one in on the hot takes, and this was it. Yes. By far, I mean, I saw a little bit of video of it. It wasn't as cool in the video, but the idea of a whole bunch of sick kids at a soccer game and fans throwing stuffed animals down to them, that's pretty cool. I guess this happened two years ago, too. So It's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, I think it's University of Iowa, right? Their football field faces a children's hospital. Yeah. And then once again, they always face the, the fans, always face the children's hospital and applaud them. So um, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. All right. That was all the hot takes. Unless you have anything else. Um, yeah. Let's do a quick hot take. So, what'd you think of the Rockport Rugged? <laughs> First of all, was it, what did you think it was? Did it meet, exceed, disappoint um, your expectations? I knew what I was getting into. I just didn't think it would be as extreme as it was because that was really extreme. Um, we've, my body still feels it right now. We've talked through text, and um, I know I didn't need to do some footage on the beach. It was probably about a halfway point of the 5K. Yes. So I was like, well, I could walk back. I mean, it's only a mile and a half. No. <laughs> and with the backpack, and really the walk wasn't that bad. The rocks were, the rocks made me worry about you the whole time because I was like, my God, this is treacherous a little bit. But then um, climbing that hill at the end there was not cool. And if it wasn't for Megan Adelski, who I threw my backpack up to, I mean, I was bear crawling on the backpack was full, full forward on me. It was, I was a hot mess, but thank God she was there to throw my backpack up to and I was able to climb up the rest of the way. So. Yeah. So you walked it. I had to run. And yeah. I actually had walked in some areas. I can tell you that when I was walking, there were some runners in front of me and behind me. They weren't exactly super pulling away from me if you're catching my drift. And I, I was, certainly wasn't hustling when I was walking. So it was. I actually caught some people. <laughs> yeah. And I was impressed with you when you, you gave me your 5K time. That's 27. You said 26 minutes? Yeah. That's. Yeah. Standing ovation type well, I, stuff. It was first mile and a half was all flat except for the beginning where you had to go up the hill. But mm. Other than that, it was flat until you got to the beach and it was water and rocks and sand. And, <laughs> and then you get off the beach and you have to go up the 50 foot hill that's so steep. You know, it's a serious incline. I was slipping the whole time. Yeah. I'm guessing it was what, 50, 60 degrees? I mean, 45 is here. It, it was, yeah. yeah, you can definitely make the argument. So, And then they throw in those valleys you got to go through. I purposely saw that. I was like, I don't have to do that because no, I'm walking back. And I just took the trail, less traveled, and it was definitely worth it. So, 
when I got to the top of the hill, there was two people there, mother and son. They're like, oh, yay, good job. Keep going. I was like, why the hell would anybody want to do this? <laughs> well, when I got done, or when I got at the top of the hill, Megan goes, where's Brad? I was like, Brad came through here a long time ago. She goes, oh, I must have missed him. So that was the first thing. Actually, you know, she said Brad. To be honest, I think she said, where's Butterbear? So it made it 10 times better for me. And a moment where I was totally gassed and just – it was half raining when I was out there too. You know, it's like sprinkling, and I was just yeah. like, I just wanted it to be over. But then she said, "Where's Butterbear?" And I kind of it made me laugh. So it made me feel good. <laughs> so we might as well start our next segment, which is kind of the whole purpose of what we did this Facebook Live yes. for. So we are starting from this week on. We're going to do one trivia question a week, um, brought to us by Alpena Chamber um, or visit. Sorry, not Chamber, the Convention of Visitor Bureau. Sorry, so CVB. And they are going to give us a question each week. We'll ask it, and then you can give us the answer. And then we'll put all the names in the hat of the people that get it right. We'll draw one out, and then I talk to Griffin. You can go pick a sticker out from the local basket case. So, so how are people supposed to give us the answer? They can comment on our Facebook live feed. So right. that was my thinking. Pretty smart. All right. Smarter than the average bear. Hey, hey, hey. All right. And the first question is, what is the name of Michigan's oldest continuously run mini golf course, which is lo located in Alpena? I don't think we should answer that. No, we shouldn't. There's a major hint here. <laughs> so Just a little. So, but, yeah, so it's kind of awesome. And um, that's a great first question. So, yes. And, uh, yeah, so um, we will draw the winner next week. Um, next week we have Christine here. So maybe we'll have one of them pull it out. So that way you and I are neutral. Yeah. And then uh, we'll announce the winner. They'll have another question. And then we'll just kind of make it a weekly thing. So. All right. So, so that is it for our first couple segments. Uh, we appreciate those of you guys who are listening to tuning in on Facebook Live. And as for the pod, we'll just keep rolling and start talking to Greg. So. All right. All right. Take a break. Real quick. Greg, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Why don't you tell me and our hundred, not hundreds, I guess we could use dozens of listeners, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, uh, grew up, and all that fun stuff. So. Okay. Uh, grew up in Posen. Uh, lived there until I was like 19, 20 years old, and uh, I had a good job when I was younger, so I bought a house in Alpena. Uh, worked that till I was... 28 years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so then you decided to open a food truck. Yes. I got tired of just doing the same thing. Went through this, reevaluated some things with my life. Um, came to the conclusion first that I wanted to get out of debt and kind of get out of the normal lifestyle that I saw everybody else around me living. That just seemed like a, a debt trap that went on forever. So I got out of all that took me a couple of years to kind of dig out from that stuff. And then I went on some trips uh, out west, kind of figure out what I wanted to do with my life, that type of thing. And I did a couple of them. One was out to Sedona, Arizona, and then on a couple of trips to Boulder, Colorado. And on those trips, it just kind of was like one thing led to another and met a couple of people and saw a food cart in Breckenridge. And I'm like, you know what? I want to do that. 
get back home, uh, talk to one person about it. And a couple of days later, he calls me up and says he's found my trailer and we'll go look at it. And it just kind of went from there. It's awesome. So um, how did you, so, so my two favorite things about the hippie are one is the name. So how did, how did you create or get to or arrive to the name? of the hippie well that's in a little convoluted way kind of so uh initially when i started out i've actually told this story on the hippie facebook page of what happened so um i had planned on i wanted to do something like a retro vibe and my first thought was to have a turntable and like spin vinyl and that all sounded great uh we're just gonna call it the tasty turntable i had a logo made like i was in on that for a couple months and then when I got time to do the build out and the drawing and the trailer, I'm just like, this doesn't work. <laughs> this, this, this setup does not like, this is such a small space already. And trying to put that in there with running wires, power, the whole shot. I was like, this whole concept doesn't work. I'll maybe, maybe someday we'll, yeah. we'll be able to make this work in here. And then I just uh, sat with it for a while. And one day just that name kind of popped into my head. It was kind of, going a little bit with the theme that I wanted from tasty turntable. But then this one was like, it's kind of me. It, it seems right. Like that's a music festival yoga doing hippie it kind of fit the fit what I stand for in a lot of ways. Cool. Um, <clears throat> my second favorite thing is obviously the food. So you kind of do a different thing with the food seems more, I don't want to say it's organic, but um, natural, probably a better word. Not as processed. Definitely. Um, we do a lot of stuff from scratch. Like all of our sauces are made from scratch. The salsa that we use, um, we do some organic things, but, um, whenever I'm sourcing stuff, as long as the price is reasonable, uh, I'll go organic. Um, and then we use uh Presque farms on some things too. So there's a lot of healthier, fresh stuff from those guys and they're hundred percent organic farm too. Um, in the future, I plan on doing more of that, but it just takes uh, volume and growth to really go to the next level with the type of ingredients they're going to carry. Yeah, I know. It's, I remember the Presque thing is local, so that's always cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you started at the Hippie. How long, what year did you start there? Uh, 2014. 14? Yep. And then it grew, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I would watch as you uh, – I, th- I don't want to say we were we – were, one of the first customers, but we were early adopters. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's a fair assessment to say. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that you were only like three blocks away from where else. And I yeah. live, so um, it was super convenient. Um, <clears throat> so then after the first year, how did it go? It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you learn? Uh, I learned that, well, one, that starting your own business, especially being the first type of a certain like kind in the area and food service is pretty hands-on as it is, um, that it's a, like everything in theory is great. And then you realize just how much work it is to be get, to get good at something. Um, the other thing was, is that so many of the people that worked for me that year were so helpful because I had no idea what I was doing, especially like the business end of things, maybe a little bit, but the food actual, like serving food, like no previous experience at all. Like I never even, not even like soup kitchen or anything like that, just nothing. So in hindsight, that was great because I kind of was able to do it my way, but I needed help from a lot of people to kind of teach me some things and um, just a whole mindset change. I think when you go into 
any type of business for yourself or something that all the pressure and responsibilities on you that when you make that decision, you're one person and to get to the person that's capable or like just has what it takes to be successful. It's a lot, um, emotional stress, like just stress in general. And cause you're like changing into a different person that first year, like I was better at the end of the year as a person than I was because I was able to go through some hardships, like not make any money. And it was really like, just to, you know, jump all in on something, go for it and figure it out and take your lumps and stick with it type of thing. Um, it was neat to watch you grow. I mean, and um, little things like the trailer, more design, you know, mm-hmm. many of your changes. Um, so within year two would come around. Um, maybe was there any significant changes in year two? Well, the de- change from year one to year two was I started running Lee's Mini Golf. Um, so that added a whole nother level to a business that I really didn't know what I was doing around it. <laughs> so then I just kind of, I hopped into the next business and kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Uh, um, I was fortunate that somebody helped, uh, financially to get me started with that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it was kind of on my own. And then right before ready to kick that off, my dad passed away. So it was like, you put all this additional stress on the mini golf and then that happened. And I, like year two was like just showing up like the persistence to I like was kind of dead I guess like emotionally that whole summer um it was just a matter of making sure I showed up every day um at the end of this is not I don't think known by too many people but at the end of the second year um it was such a like I just thought such a train wreck at that time, like where I was at, especially because of what happened, but I didn't make that much money again. The second year, really nothing. And like at that point, I remember writing two people letters saying that I was not going to do this again. And that, that was it for me. Like this just wasn't flying. And, um, and then like a couple months later, and that was kind of, I stuck with that, but I never sent them out. I was like, I got some time and kind of stuck with it. And I'm like, no, this is, I need to keep doing this and started learning, finding um, some motivational speakers This were like a really was a game changer. Um, found a guy named Jim Rohn and started listening to him. And it was like a light switch went on for me. I was like, Oh, okay. Like so much of the success has to do internally with you mentally, like what you know, but how you think like your habits and all those things. Once I got on board with that, then it was like, okay, like now I understand why this has been a, mostly a failure for the first two years um, with the both businesses, one with the hippie individually, like it was just kind of going nowhere because I was muddling through it and not putting the effort in that it takes to be successful. Yeah. Um, well, I certainly didn't see that, but I mean, I can understand that I wasn't there all the time. And um, I know it was, it seemed like your first year rained all the time. If I remember correctly, it just seemed like it was always <laughs> raining and we had that really wet summer or it was last year. It was the really wet summer. Last year was the wet one. Yeah, that yeah. was a really wet summer. Um, I remember even when, when I did that celebrity cook thing, it rained that night too. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, is your buddy? Was his name? Yeah, Chris. Chris. Yeah. Sonic came down and played. And he yeah, he was playing in the rain, dude. Yeah. He's hardcore. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. That was I mean, awesome. That lets you know is the level of dedication. He was... Uh, that wasn't going to affect him, put it that way. But <laughs> if you know anything about Chris, that didn't surprise him at all. Oh, no. We talked yeah. about that yeah. when you were in there. It was just like he says this stuff always happens to him. Yeah. And then, then it does. Yeah. And 
there was. A, he's got a heart of gold, and he always has best intentions. But it's almost like if something can go wrong, it does. But it's not to the point where it's like it wrecks the whole thing and it's all off. Just enough to like test you, like how bad do you want it? And, right. right. You know. It's not a level five hurricane, but it's yeah. a lot of threes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then, um, the hippies going has decent growth. I'm guessing you're doing. I guess we probably should tell the hippie was behind Lee's. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of how probably Lee's worked out since you were kind of already there. Mm-hmm. And then you had the opportunity for the dome. So mm-hmm. why don't you walk me through how? I, I'm going to rewind just a little yeah. bit because year three was the important year. That was like. I had that whole winter of listening to motivational speeches and stuff like seriously I spent so much time on that stuff and reading self growth type things. And, um, along with like after that happened, um, or that winter, the other thing that happened was I like went through a cornea surgery, like I lost sight in my right eye and had to like a lot of the reading and introspection came from, I just really couldn't do anything. So I was just like, the timing, the, the the way that it worked out, I ended up um, staying after the surgery at my mom's place for a couple months and just being in the basement, reading, doing yoga, meditation, and really making a decision that when this third year came around that we we're going to do some really good stuff. And then it started like everything um, just started happening at that. Kevin Peterson, uh, my favorite local chef, really, like Kevin's awesome. And he ended up working in the trailer with me that third year. And that's where I learned everything. Like I learned everything there was that I know really now from him spending time with him, learning recipes and things like that. That was super helpful. We started doing the the evening stuff, Judge Matt cooked for us. And that was just really, I felt like having him in there was a big turning point for me because I was able to like have an expert to learn from. Mm-hmm. And so then after that, everything just kind of took off running, had a good, uh, well, it would be a good fourth year too. Like after that was the fourth year with the hippie, everything stabilized after the third year. Like it was like, oh, okay, we got this. And then the fourth year, uh, the hippie really took off. I had, in the third year, we cut our hours being open just four hours a day and really doubled down on lunch. And that really opened that just made it so we were always busy. It wasn't just me sitting in there waiting for people to come, which the first two years, it was a lot of that. And then we just got real busy, gained traction and everything. Um, then would have been last summer, um, I found out that the Dairy Queen was going to be not in operation as a Dairy Queen. And nobody really knew that they didn't even really weren't going to put it up for sale right then. They didn't know what they were going to do with it. And I was just on them about it and just being like, Hey, like I'll buy that from you. <laughs> um, but it wasn't like that at first. I got to tell you a little story about it. sometimes there's very serendipitous things that happen. So um, my first uh, instinct was that like I leased space at uh, lease from someone and I was like, I'm going to call him up and see, maybe he wants to buy that and I can lease it from him. That would be a, a good deal. And, um, we'll just kind of go from there. I'm kind of averse to going into debt. I, after being a lot in debt, I wanted to kind of avoid that. And so I call this guy up, talk to him for 30 seconds, phone call drops. Somebody's standing in the room with me. They're like, why are you calling him? Why don't you just buy it? And kind of planted the seed with me. I sat with it. Never ended up calling him back that night. Um, and then kind of just got on it and decided, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like it took a little introspection. And, and then I ended up working a deal out with him. So we closed that in October last year. So um, started working on things 
November and just kind of work through the winter to get everything ready for this year. And I'm sure it's been a whirlwind, like different set of problems with the different location, learning curve, all that stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that is definitely the, the case. So you go from being in a trailer with two people and basically um, I would do almost all the prep work. So I would sit in the trailer um, after hours when we were done and I would have leads open. And sometimes you have hour to go by with nobody, especially if the weather's bad. So instead of hiring somebody out to run leads, I would just go back in the hippie and I would prep all the food, watching the front counter at the same time. So basically running a business and then in the back doing the work and to go from that, like where I was doing everything, taking orders, making food while we were doing it in there every minute of the operation to timing, like over doubling our hours when we're um, open later during the summer, we cut them back now, but um, doubling our hours going from having like four or five people working with me two at a time to 15 people and during lunch, like five normally at a time with me um, and everything that it takes, like seeing payroll times by 10 and um, the amount of food that we're selling just shoot way up uh, and then getting ready for the 4th of July and like what that takes to I knew how busy we were going to be and like what it would take to have that go off without a hitch. That was kind of all along from starting. It's like, how are you going to handle this? Cause you get ready for that then you're ready for everything. And so it was always like that day was on my mind from when we started in November, planning it out. How are you going to handle that volume? And then as long as you got that, then, then you got it. So <clears throat> I'm assuming we went off without a hitch or it did. It did. It was like, literally we got the second, we only had one commercial panini press. I just couldn't, didn't spend the money on the other one right away and wanted to see how it was all going to work out with the setup that we had. So Omega electric came and installed the plug and the Panini press came in and it was actually the first day that we used it was on the fourth. And that allowed me to add another person just on that. And it was, uh, it was pretty exceptional. Like I didn't think anything, it was as good as I could have planned it, if not better. I think we did a customer every like minute and a half for the whole day or something like that. It was it was crazy. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, what's next? Are you just going to try to grow the dome now or, uh, you talking short term or long term? Both. I them both. With me. Yeah. Short term, like summer kind of hits you and shakes you up and takes you for a ride. It's just such a day to day grind of the two places, just even keeping the cash drawer, right. Um, punching receipts and doing laundry, like all that stuff is time consuming, making sure you have food for the next day and that you don't run out of this or that. So, so much involved with that in the summer. And so moving into the fall, I have a couple of really good artists that work with me, Sadie Jacobs and Annalise Mathia. Um, they did the planter boxes out there, painted some of the front. Um, Sadie did the countertop and she designed the upstairs in the dome. And there's so much more art stuff that I want to do with the place. And just with everybody being so busy in the summer, I think that it was just good to put that on the back burner. Um, we've done a couple of video projects too, and we're going to be doing some more of that stuff once the fall rolls around. Um, we shut our first commercial and that'll be coming on Facebook uh, in the next week or two. And then we did the lip sync battle thing with the Bay Bash and that turned out really well. So um, working on more of that stuff too, doing more video content, commercials, different type of things with that. Um, 
I'll be dipping my toes into merchandise stuff finally. Like we had a couple of runs of t-shirts and stickers, but that's really about it. And I moving forward planned on having a merchandise line that's known in Alpena and that's the design work and um, building the brand grows. I would like to set it up so that we can sell them all over the country. Um, I think that hungry hippie, even though like people aren't from here or know it, like if you put a good product out there and, you throw some promoted Facebook posts out there with commercials and things. And now you start building an audience that's outside of your, <clears throat> your area, then you can start selling some products and things like that outside of that demographic. What's been interesting the last three or four times Allison and I have been in there. Um, it seems like the people in front of us have never been there before. And I don't even mean like never been there before, but you, they were not from Alpena hundred percent. And they were like, yeah, we just heard about this place. And we wanted to come check it out, you know, and they would always ask us what's good. And I was like, everything. So, like, right, right. you know, but it's really interesting the last couple of times to go in there. And just, I think the last people, they were from Tawas. Okay. You know, and which kind of didn't surprise me because Griff, you know, Griff has the Tawas basket case location. Okay. And yeah. I know he talks about your place. So, you know, if they're up in Alpino, like, we might as well check it out. But it's interesting to me to always... Um, I, I, we've said this before in the pod, but it seems like there's a lot more people I don't know running around town. Well, I mean, um, just information I got from someone at the CVB, um, they said that over the last four years, they had 25% growth um, in tourism every year. So basically in four years, they double. That's that's a lot. Yeah. And I totally can see that heading in that same direction and going up that amount, if not more, just due to the the way that the state set up Traverse City is a little bit overgrown now. And if people want to get away from the big city life, that might not be for them. And with the, I would say, 25 to 45-year-old group of people in Alpena doing some different cool things, um, that it'll attract more of that. And we got a good, great music scene, and I just see more of that stuff going. The film festival just got done this weekend, and that sounded like that was more successful. It was the first year, and just growth well, you were talking about the triathlon thing that was going on too like all that kind of stuff the more events and things there is for people to do the more out of town people you're going to see here yeah and uh, it's, it's it's cool super cool yeah and you're part of it yeah so long term uh long term there's some different ideas that i've thrown out there um usually what i like to do is during the season like focus really on that and once the fall winter rolls around i really have time to do some like evaluating of things like you really see what you did as far as a business at the end of the year it's hard to really gauge a lot of things while the summer's going to really dig into numbers and stuff um when this winter rolls around i plan on doing some traveling that's inspired a lot of this stuff um trying different foods, going different places. You just see so many ideas, especially out in the Northwest of Portland's very uh, near and dear to my heart. And that's where a lot of the stuff that I'm doing came from. So I plan on heading back there and going for some new ideas. Um, I would say long-term would be building this out to the best of my ability over the next year or two. Um, the trailer I plan on uh, starting to do some events with, I just got back from a music festival and there was like seven or eight carts there. And I think that we would just fit right in. I mean, you bring the hippie to music festivals and it just, uh, it's kind of made for those things. And that's when I built it, that's what I wanted to do. Um, the couple of the girls that work for me that do art, I think that it would be good for them to come along and like kind of bring an entourage with us. Um, 
just with between the food merchandise and then people that work there that have art stuff too. Like I just think that it would, uh, as we expand in that direction, that that would be kind of a logical next step for me to take. And, you know, if you took up a group, cause not everyone wants to work the whole time. Right. So, right, right. you know, let's people go spend a couple hours exploring and then can rotate that all in. So that's definitely sweet. So, mm-hmm. so uh, before you had anything else about the hip you want to talk about? Uh, I loved the video. I'm glad you brought that up because we I absolutely loved the the Hey Ya video. I yeah, it was awesome, and it's kind of cool to see. I'm assuming Zach's helping me out with the commercial. Yeah, yeah, uh, he does awesome, awesome stuff. So I'm excited to see what you guys make coming down the pipe. Yeah, yeah, lots of good fun stuff. Um, we the commercial will finish uh, Zach finish editing on that soon and then we're actually working on a pilot for a TV show of sorts uh, that would put on YouTube uh, maybe take to some film festivals and get some people to see it and check it out but basically taking all of the crew that's there and just maybe I would say exaggerating a few of our personalities a little bit and interjecting a lot of humor into it and things that happened over the summer, um, interactions between employees and stuff kind of gave us a base of stuff that was going on there that we could have some fun with. So we're like halfway through shooting that, um, just with the busyness of summer, once again, it's tough to everybody's working six days a week. And then on the seventh day, like, it's like, okay, now we're going to shoot videos and then go do six days. And like, everybody's really been on board. I'm so thankful for all the people that I have. And um, my crew has become like really close knit group of friends too, through the process of this. And that's been really a cool thing to see. One of my favorite things of your establishment over the summer was the big sign that says, I can't hear you. Make sure you speak loud. <laughs> and then, Inevitably to be in line and then watch everyone be like, I'd like a hippie roll, please. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> and then just that whole thing. It just always cracked me up. We have a, a we put when certain funny things happen, we'll put like a little piece of tape on the wall and like write down like funny things that have happened. And then on there, somebody wrote, just lean in. Cause that's kind of when you're running the counter, um, eventually we'll have an intercom set up with a headset and everything, but the, you got to spend money smart off the start and doing certain things next level just takes time. But, uh, yeah, like the hearing in there, you got the compressor running, the Vitamix is going and it's <clears> the music. It's pretty noisy. We had a quote board. I worked at the golf course for a little while and we had a quote board of things that happened and we actually, the Chris was part of that Sonic, so we had seasons, and the board was after a while we were average, able to divide the board into seasons of things that happened throughout the year. So um, it's super fun, and it's something that um, you just can take a look back at years down the road, especially if you end up staying together with people or revisiting it. And this is good something to go through after a couple beers and just okay. have fun with it. Um, one of the best ones was you work pretty hard for a Chinaman. <laughs> <laughs> I had an old lady say that to me. Like we were really busy, and it was just one of those times where, like, for a while there, the golf course was open to the public for dinner. And so, what would inevitably what would happen is you would have a golf outing come all upstairs, and then right when all eighty people from the golf outing are all there drinking and going through their awards and everything, inevitably somebody comes walking in and wants dinner. So right, then right. all of a sudden, you know, you would be running around and I'll never forget the lady. And I'm I'm not gonna say her name, but she is, she looks at me. She goes, you know, you work pretty hard for a China man. And I just 
on there. I mean, we that thing stayed on the board forever. That's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. We would, and even today, like every once in a while, Chris will text me. It. Like he'll be. I know when he listens to this pod, he still has that photo on his phone. He'll send it to me. So <laughs> yeah, that, that is awesome. Then that's part of what it is, right? Is making those memories and that connection you have with that crew. I'm sure it goes a long ways in near and dear to you. Yeah, we got to give another quick one. Uh, This girl Taylor works for us, and there was like a 75-year-old guy. We occasionally get probably once or twice a day because it was a Dairy Queen forever. So people will come up, they'll be kind of oblivious to like the sign that says Hungry Hippie and don't look at the menu and they'll just say, just want a cone. Like, give me a a chocolate cone. That would never have occurred to me. I'm sure that did happen. Yeah, so this guy comes up there, asks for a chocolate cone, and as he's kind of ready to walk away taylor's around the counter and she's just like well we we have uh chocolate covered cheesecake and we got some bomb smoothies and just having that relayed to us like an old person bomb smoothies just crack it's it's up on the wall just cracked all of us up like i was in the back laughing my head off just so many good like one-liners like that um things that happen we had some customer of ours eat a dog treat earlier this year it's like i remember you told me that and i was like yeah i kind of looked at it and i was like don't do it so i was like all right I'm gonna pass. Yeah. yeah um i know we're happy so we'd love to see the girl and brad is too brad lives a block away from so of course he's excited by it i know about it so so good job here with the good work Thanks, any man. chance i can get a fish taco maybe next year Maybe this year. Oh. Uh, yeah. And I know seafood's hard. Seafood brings a different element of keeping it. And I know hot holding seafood. Like, this is where the lack of experience always ends up getting me. There's like new things. It's, it's, try this, do this. And there's a, always a lot more to it. That's why, like, with bringing on things for regular items, I always will run it as a special a few times to see how it flows in the kitchen and put a lot of thought into it because you just, like, like something like fish. Um, we have did some shrimp tacos a couple times, and hot-holding that stuff's goofy. So you have to have somebody, like, cooking it fresh, really, for it to be good. And so that's a dedicated person, almost, that's just doing that. And so some of those things just come with another level of planning and, Honestly, like this summer, um, we were doing the last two years, quite a few specials, different daily things. And that was every time me flying by the seat of my pants, like at Meyer at eight o'clock in the morning, like, what are we going to do today? That was, I'm on Pinterest scrolling through, like figuring something out. Cause I don't have any like mazzle recipe for this. This is all on the fly. Like I just learned this stuff as I go along. And so doing specials this summer we were so busy with just the the base menu and the summer traffic and everything that it just didn't feel necessary to do that and so this fall um i know things are going to taper off some when school starts and the weather's not as good so um when that happens i want to do some more specials and just try and keep people do our best to keep people interested um, when the weather is not great out if you do something really good people come out when it's raining like, oh, that's what it really boils down to like the Holinsky, for example, right? Yeah, yeah. That the the Holinsky. So we did uh, like five or six menu uh, name this item contests online, and every time we did one, Chuck Holinsky comments, just name it the Holinsky, and and so all of us like the first one I did, he got a few likes, and by like the fourth or fifth one, he was getting like 20, 30 likes on it, and more than the like really good names, I'm like. What's up with this? So let's just let's just do one. Let's we'll just, just run with it. Let's just run with it. So he came out, we took his picture, and 
now he's got a permanent sandwich on there and awesome. yeah, like stuff like that's just uh it brings a little character to the business and I think it just makes it more fun. And that's I think in a lot of ways, like a lot of places businesses do it the way other places did it. They can be kind of boring and just do the same old stuff. Something I know Brett and I've tried to do with the pod is not take yourself too seriously about the whole thing because like right, right. It, it loses its fun then. Exactly. Right? So exactly. Um, yeah, I, I love that about, you know, I, I love messing with Zach when he's working and I just, or you, and, you know, when you guys are busy, I'm always like, all right. Yeah. It's all business now, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, we'll talk some other time. We'll right, right. Everybody understands. Like, yeah. they see us bouncing around in there running like crazy and uh, know that it might not be the best, best time to have a conversation. <laughs> okay. So uh, we'll wrap that up. Oh, I got one other question. Maybe Brad does too, but – um. You're going to close for the season, obviously, for the winter? Yeah. Do you know any idea when that's going to be? Uh, right now, the game plan is sometime in October. So we're, I would say by mid-September, we'll be into uncharted territory. With the first year of the this place, like you got to figure the hours out, how that's going to work. And I feel like it's went really well so far. And we're going to roll with these for at least another month and a half or so. Mid-October, we'll kind of be gauging it weekly and, um, making sure my employees have time to find other work, that type of thing. Like it's a team effort, not just all me planning it out. Um, I would say mid to late October okay. at, the, at the latest. And then this year you opened the hippie, like almost Memorial Day because of the new location. Yeah, there was, uh, it was new location, getting people lined up to work, having enough people to start that up. But really it was having the kitchen, right? Um, I got certified a week before that and, and then you have to practice stuff in there. Um, there was like probably seven or eight things on the menu that I was planning that I hadn't even made yet. And so you just spend some time in there, practice it out. Every piece of equipment was new. It's like, oh my God, like I got to this and this. And yeah, like and the rhythm to it. Yeah, like just all that stuff. So next year will be open earlier than that because um, kind of hit the ground running um, as far as like how busy we were. And I would think that that would be sustainable to start like late April, early May next year. Yeah. I don't think so. I know it seemed like, you know, the flow of Alpina is always like Memorial Day is kind of the unofficial start of summer. Mm -hmm. Then people are just trying to get hurry up and get to school being out. Then it kind of peaks with the fourth. And then the now we're on the backside. Everyone kind of hangs on to Labor Day. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And I don't doubt that, you know, you could probably start, especially in the beginning because everyone's just chomping at it. You know, we were like, oh, once it opened, once it opened. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotta wait for the snow though. We did have that big snowstorm in the middle of April, so trying <laughs> oh, yeah. to put a damper on things. Snowmageddon twenty eighteen. That was nuts, man. Yes. Yes. Um we um it's something that's well known of the pod is we pod we had a pod that night and for all intents and purposes, we probably shouldn't have had the pod, but it was Matashinsky's episode, and by no strip, he was. Oh, like, he's coming. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I remember I texted him with two or three times, like, probably shouldn't do it tonight. Like, everything's closed. Oh, no. We did it on a Sunday. Yes. He was supposed to go leave town on Monday. Yeah. So I was like, I'm picking you up. Like, dude, you're in the in your UConn? No, I'm picking you up in my van. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. So, makes for a great story, though. So, that's Yeah. Nice. yeah. So, all right. So, we'll pivot. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about all the self help motivation stuff you kind of explored over the past couple of years i know i've done a couple about it so we'll kind of ping pong that yeah, for each other, and then we'll do our top five so sounds good awesome man.
So uh, my my journey, I'm not always like rah rah, you know. God, it's kind of just how I am, but a little bit. But my real first book I ever read or thing I ever saw, I saw a YouTube video like at least five years ago, maybe even six years ago. Um, and it was Simon Sinek and it was the, the why video. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that and I just literally sat there with my job and like, and it wasn't so much what he was talking about Apple or all these other fancy companies that have great success, but it was more along the lines of like someone who took something and he made it toward kind of what, I guess that's my life goal. Like what he talked about is to be able to, um, I don't want to say higher cause for a lack of a better term, but that's kind of what he talks about is, you know, sharing with your, why you're doing something with people, you know, and um, you know, why are you getting up every morning to do what you're doing? And um, it's not just like to make sandwiches or it's not just to sell cars or make awesome Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> but um, you know, there's something more to that, and and that's usually the Excel spreadsheet, the sandwich, and the card. While it's great for a lot of people, that's really not what resonates with people most of the time. It's usually your this higher thing that um, really relates with people. So I know that was my first dipping of the toe in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mentioned the guy, Jim Rome. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, I remember watching, dabbling around a little bit with this stuff like early on, um, but not really like letting it sink in or anything. And I remember after the second year, I was uh, basically broke. (laughs) I told you I'd written those letters and um, didn't turn them in. And um, that fall, I seen this video. It said, best life ever, Jim Rohn. It was like three and a half hours long. And I started listening to this guy talk and like, who is this guy? Like he feels like my, my wise grandpa and he's telling you all these practical life tips for helping your business. And I start listening to him and I'm like, man, this guy, like if I just listen to this guy, he's got it all figured out and he's helped a lot of people figure their stuff out too. And so it was really where, I mean, I went through the whole, like, this is my passion. I want to do this. Like I thought that business would be fun. And um, I want to go to music festivals and take the trailer, not knowing like what type, how much work it was and how much I had to grow to get just to that point. So there was a lot to do. And he kind of bridged that gap for me mentally. Um, And I think once you, if you find somebody like that, that's really good at what they do, him being motivational speaker, and that has led to all different types of people in different genres of work, Mm -hmm. including Ari from Zingerman's, where um, I felt like Jim led me to him and everybody else that I've met along the way, because like the things that you think and the things that you say, like put a vibration out into the universe. And if you're in harmony with some like, more advanced people, you'll attract them by the things that you're speaking, saying, and thinking. And so that's where some of these people, like when, when Kevin came and worked for me, I got like my opinion, the best guy in town to do that. And um, like other people that work with me, it's like you continuously, you listen to these people speak the way they do. And then you just start attracting all the people that you need to into your business or into your life. Yeah, And that's why I sometimes really struggle with a lot of negative, just, thought and vibe. I just feel like that energy you put out 
can be so important, especially to start your day. I think, you know, um, whether it's, you know, you get ready in the morning and you're just kind of like, you know, or just saying like, I don't really want to go to work today. Automatically you set the tone for the whole day. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> it's just, I think it's tough. You know, I, the other one, the other, I was looking up the other one that I really like. It was called Great by Choice. I have that on my desk too. It's by Jim Collins. And it just talks about how you have to make the decision. Just kind of like you said, you're going to make the conscious effort on your part. I'm going to be great today. I'm going to go after it. And um, it's amazing when you put your mind to it, what a person can do, just even with the right attitude. So tell me a little about your Zingerman's uh, thing. How did that go? So like, just listening to Jim Rohn, uh, Tim Ferriss, another business guy that I listened to a lot. And um, his whole shtick was you just like, you don't have to really be good at anything, but you have to find somebody that is good at something. And so I went down there um, actually five years ago when I was starting the hippie trailer. Um, and I went there and I was like, this place is awesome. Like it was the coolest food business that I had really been at. And all the hype was real type of thing. And the food was great. It was expensive, but it was like a, it was an experience going there and having a food place described to as an experience was a different, different thing for me. So um, when I got the dome um, that November, after I purchased that, it was like took a trip down there and wanted to revisit that with a new set of eyes and kind of see what, what the place is all about and checked out some other places down there. But that was, that was one that I was really interested in. And all the other places that we checked out, I was like, yeah, that was a cool place, but man, they got something there. Like, it's not just the food. It's the way that the employees interact with each other, the way they are with the customers, the overall vibe and mood of the place. And I was like, that's what I want. Like, I want that at my place. And so I was like, well, who is this Ari guy? Like, let's look into him. Oh, he's got YouTube videos and stuff. He's written a dozen books. Okay. So like, there's something to what he's doing. I start uh, watching videos. I get one book. I'm reading halfway through. I'm like, I just want to meet this guy. And so um, through a business consultant friend of mine from Traverse City, he and then another friend, my friend Carol, uh, I was talking to them a little bit about Ari and they're like, he's pretty accessible. You should just like reach out to him. So I send an email, don't hear anything back for a while and then try a second time. I think the first one just got lost in transit or something like that. And then right away, like their customer service forwards his email to him. Next day he gets back with me. They're busy for the holiday season. Let's meet up in January. And you really should read my books before we meet so that we have something to talk about. So I pick up his guide to better leading series. And I just was like, that was, I knew I had some time. So I spent the next like month and a half. I read all of them. That's basically all I did that like for a while was read those books and then um, go and meet with them. And I had expected some big epiphany when, when I met with him and, it didn't really happen that way, but reading all the books and everything that led to the meeting was, that was what the value was, was getting ready for that. And meeting him was kind of like, oh, okay, this is the guy that practices all this stuff. Well, and sometimes it's nice to see, well, he's a regular dude yeah. doing these extraordinary things. It, it was what was really cool, well, cool in just kind of a different way was that, like, I sat down with him and I'm like, this dude's like, like socially, like very introverted one of the most introverted people that i've ever met really and it was just like first little while talking to him i was like pulling teeth i was like this dude like doesn't want to talk to me he doesn't want to talk to anybody he's super friendly though but just like you kind of draw him out of a shell type of thing i'm like this guy 
has built this thing and just seeing like, he's like, you read his book, super smart and got like a lot of stuff that he does the right way. But like meeting him person to person, I was like, okay, like if this guy can build the $75 million food business, so can I. And so can anybody at whatever profession they're at. If you just learn some of the tools of the trade and then study somebody that's really good at it and then just do what they did your own way. And that's really the blueprint. Um, did you listen to Bill Simmons podcast? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they talked about how in New York, obviously it's got a couple of great delis. Um, and then, LA, they really can't find a really great deli like they do in New York. But they said in the Midwest, Singerman's Owns in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and it's kind of cool to think that. I mean, I've been there before, but it's kind of cool to think that in Michigan, you know, Midwest is huge. Right, I mean, right. I mean, that's a very large area. I mean, it would be one thing to say that it's the best thing to shop in Michigan, yeah. It'd be, or even in the Great Lakes area, but to call it the whole Midwest. It's funny you said it was the best deli. In the U.S. Oh, I think he said outside of New York City. Like his, he said he said it was better than Cats. Cats. Yeah, he said it's better than Cats, but he said there was a place in New York that's better than Cats that he loves. But yeah, it's crazy. Like you start just like once you get into the top ten in the country, like they're yeah. all accepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you're you're hitting the top ten. You're yeah. in good shape. So, but that's I'm glad that you did that. I, I figured that's that's why I love you. It's your boy, though. Fresh off the boat. Man. I know, man. That's <laughs> you knew I was going to listen to that one, right? I mean, anytime there's a pod with Asians that talk about basketball and make fun of themselves, I'm in. So I'm like, um, yeah. So yeah, it's cool to hear that you've had success with that because I mean, I don't talk about my job very much, but so much of selling cars is getting your butt beat every day, you know? Because automatically, when people go into hippie and they say you charge $12 in nachos, they don't go, well, well, can I have them for six? You know, (laughs) well, I see that you're charging 12, but I mean, honestly, I can get them for 10, right? I mean, you know, and that's what, every day of my life, that's all it is. It's like, you know, I mean, I I see that's $35,000, but come on, I mean, it's not $35,000. So really all day long, all you do is get beat on by people. And it ultimately wears on you mentally. So I found that, the two things I've had to do and I've been really working on it this year is I mentally had to preserve myself like more, more emotionally. Like I just let myself get worn down and burnt out. And I've tried really hard of like claiming parts of my life and protecting these little spots. That's why I'm taking pictures and like locking in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And just, I think half of it is it has nothing to do with the pictures. Honestly, it's just walking in the middle of nowhere and just kind of, taking a couple deep breaths and just connecting with nature for that half hour. And then, okay, yeah, I'm out here. I might as well take some pictures. But um, being able to have that mental frame of mind that you need to have when, you know, things aren't going well, as you can relate to. Oh, yeah, man. Like uh, when stuff's falling apart, being able to keep your cool is like half the battle. I mean, when you're able to get through situations that, like we just had a stretch run where just people, my employees are great about showing up and everything like that. And this is the bug going around. And so one person gets another person gets, so I just got people canceling from work. I don't want anybody in there. That's not feeling good. And and food service, you can't have that. So just like this day, it's like everybody's on vacation or doing this and this person can't show up and you're short staffed. And it's like, okay, so you just in that position, I just throw it on my shoulders and deal with it. Yeah. Like I, that's, 
one thing that I think uh, if you're always willing to do the dirty work and step up when you need to, then you avoid a lot of like pissing and moaning about like, oh, this happened because of this and that. And like excuses are, they're never helpful for anything. And that's the second book that Simon wrote was Eaters Eat Last. Eat last. And it's not, it, he recalls upon how in the military, all the soldiers eat and then the higher ups will go eat after everyone else is eating. And it talks about, but essentially it's just what you said about how in order to be a leader, you have to be willing to do and show that you're willing to do all the things that you're asking your employees to do. And, um, Ari, that's the, the model. There was a guy named Robert Greenleaf that wrote a book called servant leadership. And so that's what Ari's model is based off of is that you will never um, get better service from your customer or from your employees to your customers than you as a manager give to your employees. So that level of service that you give to them travels downhill. If you're barking out instructions and yelling at people, you just build animosity between the workers and you, and then they give that service to the people. So like, when we always like their first t-shirt, your vibe attracts your tribe. Like, and we want people when they leave our place to feel good. Like that's like the whole shot. And that's what, what Ari does. Like that's what Zingerman's has got going for him. We want the customer to feel like that you're on their side and they want it. You want them to leave feeling good about them, you know, buying your product type of thing. Yeah. That's, that's awesome stuff. I know. Um, yeah, I know that's helped me out a lot through just my day in day out life, and obviously something that's helped you out a lot too. I got a books a windowsill next to my desk, and every once in a while I have a book, you know. And the newest one I have is um, um, it's by Cynic again. It's called Find Your Why. And it's a workbook. He actually it actually walks you through like everything that you want to you know kind of help change your like find out what you're trying to do, and it's crazy world so um, he's fantastic yeah he's in like so many of the interviews that he has done are in compilation videos like motivation compilation videos like there's so many interviews that he's done with awesome people that have i haven't listened to a lot of his direct stuff but it's just sprinkled in everything else yeah. i have just finished up school and so much of my I would tell you, like, because Brad knows because he's heard me talk a little bit about it, but, you know, empathy and emotional intelligence was a large part of that. And the part of that all had to do with trying to be a better leader to, to try to help, you know, lead whatever business you're trying to do or whatever you're trying to do, you know. And it's crazy. That's for certain. So I think we've probably bored people with this enough. So I'll probably stop now. But That's all good, man. <laughs> yeah. It's just a fascinating because it's not very – I mean, other than Jackie – what we had on, you're the next person I know that's really has openly talked about it. And it, I, I don't know, I think the leadership fascinates me. So I, I thoroughly enjoy talking to people that have studied it and um, have a passion for it. There, that's a great one. Right and, and self help. So, so now we're going to talk about our five quotes. We can end it, we'll start a new segment, but we're going to move on to five quotes. Right. All right. All right, now we're going to do our top five. And this week, the top five is our top five quotes. And I'll start off with number five. It's from Jay-Z, Takeover. You made it a hotline. I made it a hot song. Yeah, I like it. So, you know, it was building off of Nas. Yeah, he was making fun of Nas. I was just going to say that. 
My number five, um, I'm going to say, I kind of have some honorable mentions. It's kind of a thing we've done, right? But the thing I, I didn't really come up with an honorable mention, I stopped myself, but I really wanted something from a couple movies because I feel like, you know, I always quoting movies a lot. You know, it is something we do. So I stopped myself, but I did want to mention that I thought we couldn't have done that. So number five for me isn't even mine, but I really like it a lot, and that's Allison, and that is, be the change you wish to see in the world. That is my wife's favorite quote, and it is something that we try really hard to do, both of us. Sometimes we fail miserably at it, but it is something we always go back to. So, And then it just starts with you. That is 100% truth right there. <laughs> it came from one of the great people that's ever lived. Yes. So, yeah, that's a good Not one. Me. Yeah. All right. So my first one, I got a couple Jim Rohn ones. I think three out of five of them are from him, but he's just got so much gold that you got you to keep rolling with it. So work harder on yourself than you do at your job. That's deep. It is deep. It's also really important, too, because, yeah. like, on the day-to-day end of things, like, you can really get caught up in the same same thing all the time, and then you'll get about the same results. And then unless you do, like, some internal work or get a new skill, you'll probably end up, say, making about the same amount of money that you always have and kind of muddling through. It's when you get better, that's when everything gets better. Yeah. I know, um, like I said, I told you, I've... Over these past couple of months, I've really tried to just prioritize some things in my life for, you know, it's funny, like, I mean, I've gone through the physical thing and, you know, but it's really just working on myself emotionally, mentally. I just really got burned out there for a while and I just was no good to anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. I literally, and the way I deal with stress, like I internalize it, like I've, I've had um, shingles. And I've had some other things like health problems just from the stress and just trying to deal with it. So, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to get better at it. So, you're right, though, 100%. I'm going to change my number four. Was I feel the need, the need for speed? That is really good. It is. I'm going to change it to Teddy Roosevelt. And it is hard to fail, but it is worse never to have tried to succeed. I had to look these things up. So. No, that's a good one. I like it. And I think of Aaron Booza, which we talked about last week on the pod. I don't know. He owns the – he bought scoops. Okay. Yeah, and he said – I'll never forget when I heard him talk about it. He said uh, he couldn't afford not to try. You know, and I thought that was really – that still stuck with me when he said that. Like, how can you afford not to do this? You know, so many people was like, oh, well, how am I going to make the money or how am I going to do this? But his, his attitude was like, how can I not afford to try it? So it's awesome stuff. Number four for me, um, number four for me is those that love us never really leave us. And it's the Harry Potter quote. And I actually love it so much that I have a tattoo in my arm. And, um, yeah, so. That's a good belief to have. Um, well, you know, it's funny. Harry Potter is one of those weird stinking movies that um, you can look at it however you want. If you want to make it a kid's movie about a play with the magic wand, you definitely can do that. And if you want to look deeper into it, um, which that's what I've done, you can certainly find things about it. And at that point, when I lost my mom back in 15, that line really meant a lot with meant a lot to me and still does. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, so, but it's true. Yeah. 
right, so we'll go to the things that you own, they end up owning you. Uh, that's from Tyler Durden and Fight Club. <laughs> Fight Club is so that that book. Like I remember watching the movie when I was younger, like twenty, and I didn't like it. I didn't understand it, and I didn't even watch the whole thing. And then a friend of mine, Jeremiah, told me to read the book. I did that at twenty five, and that has been that changed my life more than anything ever has or ever will. Like it flipped a switch in me, like to make me realize and see culture and society for what it is and how much I didn't want that. And so like, um, with things owning you, like you really do, it becomes down to payments on stuff. And so often like nobody really owns anything. They just have payments to the bank and the truth of the more stuff that you get, there's more upkeep on it and everything. And that really like push some like, understanding of simplicity and how much freedom there is in that as to not like being really attached to stuff that you own. And that was like one of my favorite quotes ever for sure. I'm, I don't want to say I'm, you know, it's weird selling cars, obviously some people it's a serious possession, you know, it's oh, a for sure. symbol to some people and, but to some people it's merely transportation and they could care less and, um, I deal with both sets of people all day long, so I respect both 100%. So I kind of fall in somewhere in between. I really just care about good gas mileage, but yet I have a title, so <laughs> right. I'm talking out both sides of my mouth right now. All right. All right. My number three deals with failing again. So those who dare to fail miserably can achieve greatly. It's from JFK. I like it. Well, one, I'm a big JFK fan. So, what do you like about it so much? Something I need to probably apply more to myself because I hate to fail, but I guess I need to put myself out there more and fail so I can cheat. That's where your comfort, outside your comfort zone, where all the growth happens, they'd say. So. A little bit outside your comfort yeah. zone. Yeah, don't get too crazy. Well, that's the key, like, because when you get too crazy with something, then you burn out with, like, catastrophe, failure, and then you're like, oh, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. But if you can incrementally, like, just slowly bump those steps up, then that I think that's like, there's a sweet spot in there of just a little bit outside. I think that explains my marathon experience really well right there. I should have never done it. But anyways, <laughs> so uh, my number three is – Actually, something that a guy that used to work for me down at Full Locker used to say, and his phrase was, and I'm sure you've heard me say that, was Allison said, you're going to use this right now. I was like, you know it. Um, Jesus was the greatest man to ever walk the earth, and even he had haters, is what he used to tell me. Oh, the greater you get, the more haters you get. Well, and really, when you think about it, I don't know how religious you are, but... um, you can make this statement that Jesus was one, you know, obviously was one of the greatest men that ever walked the earth. And you're right. If you look through the stories, they tormented him and badmouthed him and went on. And I think that says a lot about just the way people that can be great or do good are going to have bad things said about them, unfortunately. I think that that's totally true. And then as a person gets more popular and more attention, and more successful that you get more of them, not less of them because people see a reflection of somebody else in themselves and they want to shoot them down because they're not in that person's shoes. So you just so often, I mean, how many haters are in like LeBron James, 
like that's a perfect example like ah that guy is just lucky or this like he just goes nonsense that guy works harder than everybody else does and that's why he's that good and it's crazy we've had this discussion a little bit on the pod but he you know he's married he's he's just a good person from what you could tell and people still will just try to just drag him to the mud you know right because they're jealous of him yeah that's what it really boils down to yeah it's kind of nuts yeah but anybody that's a polarizing character like that, that's what happens to them. Yeah. They got their lovers and their haters, and that, there's the balance. 100%. Number three. I'm up on this one? Okay. We must all suffer one of two things, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Another Jim Rohn. That's so much like – there's so many times where you can spend time doing things that are like fun and enjoyable and get behind on stuff that really needs to happen for like the way I always look at it is like, I will stay up as late as I need to, to get things done that will start my morning off with ease instead of stress. And I think that like, that's such a common thing of you just let the laundry pile up, you let the dishes pile up. You don't do this, you don't do that. And then pretty soon it's like, oh my God, I have to do all this stuff because it's a disaster. If you keep up on all those little things, then you're able when something happens that's not expected, you're like, oh, okay, I'll just take care of that now because I don't have six other things that that need to be done. Like I, in business, I think you can really see when somebody's doing it the right way or the wrong way, like how that, how that works out. Yeah. 100% agree. That being said, I have some dishes I'm thinking I need to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two is man's got to have a code. Omar from the wire. <laughs> man's, you got to live by something. You know? I don't know if you, you've ever seen the wire. Nope. So you know who Omar yep. is. You ever seen the wire? A little bit of it. Yeah. It's Brad's favorite TV show. Yeah. Okay, right on. Omar is this Hired gun, he goes around shooting people. He's like Robin Hood, pretty much. He steals from the rich and gives to the poor. He goes to church on Sundays and he takes care of his grandma. And he's this really complex character. He says, a man's got to have a code. That's his code. Yeah. And everybody lives by something. So, it's your code. I like that. Yeah. He's got his rules to live by. We're number two, right? Yes. So my number two, I don't know if you want me to read it or not, but it is, oh, I don't know where it went. Oh, there it is. It is the Mother Teresa um, one. So it's the, I first saw it on Sean Sexton's uh, door at at school. So this will be like 10 years ago. And it said, I'll read the first line and then it goes on forever. But people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyways. And well, I'll read it in it, so I guess we have time. If um, if you are kind, people may accuse you of being selfish, having ulterior motives, be kind anyways. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies, succeed it anyways. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you, be honest and sincere anyways. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight, create anyways. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyways. The good you to do today will often be forgotten. You should do good anyways. Give it the best you have, and it will never be enough. You should give your best anyways. 
<clears throat> that's it. And there's a whole bunch of different versions of it out there. Um, it's kind of originated from Dr. Keith Kent, but um, it was in Mother Teresa's bedroom on a wall. So it kind of is. Be a big wall. Yeah. So, but that's it. I absolutely love it because I just feel like, as you said, a lot of times we're really easy to, we just want to start with the negative, right? Of all the reasons why we shouldn't or why we can't or all these other things. And I think just as you said earlier, having the proper mindset and saying, you know, I can do it. You should go for it. So that's my number two. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> While you're reading, all I can think is don't know. think of Alice silence. It's a lot. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Someday is the disease that will take your dreams to the grave with you. It's a uh, Tim Ferriss. It's like, I think that everybody gets ideas of things that they want to do and a million of them. And then the first step's never really taken. It's always this theoretical thing that never happens. And there's a lot of people that like a lot of really talented, awesome people that have great ideas and stuff. And they just, there's not a lot of follow through on them and that like first step and then persistence and sticking with it. That's like, it's like everything. Yeah. All right. My number one is from my favorite martial arts movie, Enter the Dragon. <laughs> He's probably said it before, it's Bruce Lee, but don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all the heavenly glory. So don't focus on one thing. Look all around. Picture. Yes. Goes back to my positivity post from last week. Do your positive Post was good last week. Post another one this week. Oh, I saw that. You were early. Kind of. Bad time. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, the other Bruce Lee one is the water one. It must be fluid like water. I love that one too. So Bruce Lee, man. That dude was not human. <laughs> no, he was amazing. And uh, yeah, obviously, I have a soft spot in my heart. But yeah. There's not many Asian role models. By the way, are you like how stoked are we that Crazy Rich Asians is like succeeding at the box office? Must be really good. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's like just this amazing movie. So now I gotta go see it. I gotta go see this chick movie about Asian. But anyways, it's got a criminal peanut. Yeah, it's probably not going to. So uh, my number one is um, our deepest fear quote. If you know that one, mm -hmm. okay. So I'm not gonna say it, but. Um, that's my quote. I love that one. Anytime I have to put a quote out, that's one of the one I always choose. And I think my favorite part is the end where it says, by automatically, essentially saying, by you going for it, it gives other people permission to say, you know what? He went for it. And if he can do it, fucking I can do it. So, and I just love that. I think, so that's why we all, everyone should just go for it. And everyone should be a badass because... This is the world, the world needs more of a bunch of badass people. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's my number one. So my last one is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Oh, I've heard that one. That's before. that's a Jim Rohn. It's Tim Ferriss. Like, I think that one's been passed on between all speakers that have ever, like, tried to influence people. It's true. Like, a minute or two or not a minute or two, but any length of time spent with somebody, you start talking like them. 
starts speaking the same things, talking about the same stuff. And if you spend a lot of time around a few different people, if they're bringing you down, you're going down there with them. If they're bringing you up, you're coming along with them. That's heavy stuff. Just the really thing about it. So it makes me think that's for certain. So yeah, well, that's our top five. Any quotes that you're surprised didn't make it? I'm surprised we didn't have more movie quotes, but you had a TV show book. I had more movie quotes. I'm in a glass case of emotion. Anchorman and Dodgeball were two movies that I really thought about quoting a lot. Um, And then Step, not Step Brothers, um, Wedding Crashers for some reason. So they're saying that Wedding Crashers is like one of the most inappropriate movies now. Like since the Me Too movement, now it's just rewatchable. It on in the last week. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, Ooh, oh well. So, anything you're surprised that didn't make or make the list? Anything you were pining for? Any surprises by either of us? Not really, man. All right, I like yeah. it. So, all right, well, we'll take a break here and we'll close it on out. Mm-hmm. Well, that almost wraps up this episode. Thank you, Greg, for coming by. For sure. We appreciate it, and we love your place. Right on, man. Yeah, it's good food. What are you doing this weekend? Um, I'm probably going to go either Saginaw or Traverse City and get a pair of round shoes. Nice. Yeah. Just can't decide where I want to go. Both have its pros and cons. You're going into the, uh, you know, you're going into the Hornets and and Bulls because it's back to school time. So you're going to be kung fu fighting people left and right. That's right. Bunch of teenagers fighting for shoes with Brad. Yeah. One of my favorite back to school shoe stories is Allison went uh, when she went and got a pair of shoes for go back to college. She wanted a pair of athletic shoes, and the guy sold her a pair of Pumas. She came back. She was like, "Look at me!" I'm like, "What the heck did you get those?" She was, "Well, the guy told me. The guy lied to you." <laughs> 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 we joke about that all the time. Now, so, oh, we got going on this weekend, Greg. Oh man, this is uh, to last little hurrah for work stuff. So that's basically everybody Labor Day weekend back to school, those type of things. So usually that weekend, I end up just working at Lee's a lot. I kind of give everybody a break and catch up on some bookkeeping stuff, and it's a kind of a nice wind down weekend for me, honestly. Sounds good. I know I am Saturday. I'm going blue collar and mile is having a cornhole tournament. So Alice and I are going over there and I'm going to participate in that. And hopefully win. Probably not, but there's some cornhole ninjas out there, man, man. And my kid is one of them. And you know who else is a cornhole ninja? Brad's dad. Oh yeah. That Polish guy knows it's all that horseshoes he's played. And he's, you could take Gabe and Brad's dad and I, but they'd make a run out of state tournament. Because I remember last year when my littlest is Gabe, we played in the Pose and Potato Festival, corn, Cornhole Tournament. We got fourth place. And we're going against all these people, and they're like, oh, my God, your kid's so good at, at Cornhole. I'm like, well, he better be. He's unemployed. All he does is just crap, crap like this all day long. So, of course, he's good. We're all working, and he's sitting there dropping bags at home. So, right. you know, Whatever you practice, you get good at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, no, they, but they're good. And, uh yeah, so it'll be fun to go out and be part of it. I got to work in the morning, Saturday, and then we'll head on out. 
And then Sunday, yeah. I felt like Alice and I were doing something Sunday, or there was something going on, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It's August 26th, so that really feels like an important day. I better check my calendar really quick. I don't think it's important. I have nothing on there. So I'm happy. It's a free day. It's a free day. All right. Uh, next week, we're having Christine come by from... That's uh, her museum. That's her museum. And... bringing a guest with her. And we have her name. We have a guest name. Maggie Malone. Yes. Good job. Maggie Malone and Christine are both going to be here from the museum. We'll talk about the museum a little bit. Get to know that. And then... Uh, then the week after that, it's Allison, and you have to find a, a female guest to bring in. <laughs> That's your homework. So that can be kind of something somebody wants to think about. Brand needs to bring a female guest, so female out, out there looking want to be on the pod, come on by. That's Labor Day that Monday, so it's Labor Day, 8 o'clock. And then I did book out somebody else for episode 29. We've got Matt Cameron on here in a little while. So that'll be a good episode. Um, okay. Matt played basketball in Luxembourg. Yeah. He played basketball in Luxembourg for a little while, so it'll be fun to talk to him and get his perspective of what it was like playing overseas. And, of course, now he lives in Alpena and building a barn for his daughter so she can have a horse. And he's just a really cool dude, and we'll have a good time with him. So, yeah. Anything to add, Greg? No, oh, man. I think what you guys are doing is super cool, and I wish you the best and keep at it. Well, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you for coming. Do you know any single girls at your place that want to want to date Brad? So keep that in the back of your mind if you, you know. So that's something I talk about every pod. So. All right, Dan. Okay. I just keep speaking it out there and it'll happen. Well, that's what I'm saying. We just talk, we've just spent an hour and a half talking about this. If you think it, it's going to happen. And I have been leading the charge. So There you go, man. All right. Well, thanks for coming by. For sure. All right. See you. Thank you.